before I knew this, it didn't matter how much money I made. It didn't matter how many trips I went on. It didn't matter how much stuff I had. Nothing satiated me. Nothing fulfilled me. And here's the messed up thing is that I thought I was doing everything right. I was super successful. I was running a massive book of clients. I was on the trajectory to making millions in my life. And none of it mattered. All of it ended up being empty because I was missing this one thing. And when I found it, everything changed. My whole world flipped on its head. The money I started making started having meaning. The trips I started taking, I was actually present and enjoying them, able to squeeze the juice out of them. The relationships I entered, I was so much more involved, so much more excited. It changed my whole perspective on how to approach every single aspect of my life. Welcome to another episode of A Renegade Rooted in Love. My name is Cam McDougall. I'm a high-performance coach and breathwork practitioner, as well as the host of this podcast. A Renegade Rooted in Love is a podcast for those that are allergic to average. It's a podcast for individuals that want to shatter their own internal status quos. And I do this really cool thing where I blend the world of storytelling with human transformation because I believe that we really learn through story and we can actually see our own transformations through the stories of others. So I really want to make sure that I bring you into my past, into my stories to help you understand a bit about how I transformed in hopes that you will also gain some codes from that. So often in life, we find ourselves in circumstances that we don't really enjoy. And you see this time and time again with people that make a shit ton of money or end up in some circumstance that they thought they really wanted and get to that place and realize that they're actually not that fulfilled. They realize that that's actually not what they wanted. And this sucks for a lot of people because you can spend 5, 10, 15, 20 years building a career, building a business, building a relationship, whatever that is, and get to that point and think that it was all for nothing. And so I really want to go into one of my stories, my experience in finance, to highlight how I avoid this now. Because in the past, I did that. I made a shit ton of money. I was assistant vice president of a financial company. I was on the trajectory to making millions. And I had a moment of very profound awareness that I was building the wrong thing. And that can be a very tough pill for a lot of people to swallow, especially when we have degrees that got us into these positions or we have put in year after year after year of work to build something to ultimately realize that it might not be the answer to what we want. 
So I'm going to give you the solution to that. And in that, I'm going to give you a tool that's going to not only help you choose the right course, set the right goals, but make any decision you want in your life. So let's take a look at this. Let's go back. Let's use my experience, my fuck ups as we do to help you understand the principle before I actually give you the nugget of learning that I got. So I left the streets, went back, finished my high school, went to university, finished my university thinking that I was going to open up a restaurant. That was my whole trajectory. If you've listened to my story, you know that cooking was something that helped me get off the streets. It was something that really helped me turn my life around. And so I went to business school thinking I'm going to get a business degree so that I can open up my own restaurant. Funnily enough, I fell in love with business while at business school. And when I left business school, I ultimately wanted to enter the world of business, not a restaurant business. More conventionally, I wanted to wear a suit. I wanted to wear a tie. I wanted to make a lot of fucking money. So right out of business school, I got hired by a financial company as a sales assistant. So I was pretty much an errand boy for all the sales reps. Over the course of my journey, I moved up the ranks really, really quick. And within about a year and a half, I had my own book. And within two years, I'd been promoted to assistant vice president. Now, I was making President's Club. I was a top producer. I was doing all the things, making all the money driving Ferraris, going on trips, doing all the things that I thought I wanted to do. And so many of us think that that is the answer to fulfillment. And here I was at the age of 28 years old, thinking that I'd made it. I was like, cool, smooth sailing from here. I'm on the trajectory to making millions in my career. Let's go. We're done. But here's the thing about that. Nothing was satiating me. Nothing. There was nothing that ever lasted. So I got to drive the McLaren. So I got to drive the Ferrari. I got to drive the Rolls Royce. I got to do all of those things. But after, I would have this empty feeling of like, okay, I need something more. I need something next. And there were so many men that I was working with that were financing car after car after car after car after car from Aston Martins to G-Wagons to Porsche to all these different things. It was time and time again, they were just financing these new cars because there was this, this need for that next thing. So nothing was satiating. It was this rock star happiness. It was this trip. Wow, this is so cool. Awesome. Come back. Okay, I need that back. Sell, 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 sell. Wow, new car. Awesome. That's great. After a few months, you got bored of it and so on and so forth. So it was kind of like this, this emptiness inside of myself, as well as a lot of the others around me. So during this time, I was, you know, really, really focused on closing deals and, and, and going as deep as I could into making as much money as I could. But I had these calls constantly coming from fitness. The world of CrossFit was yelling at me. I was, I was really interested in, in pushing my body as well and, and really seeing how far I could push my body and my performance levels. As I continued down that path, I kept getting these tugs, right? It was like my, my strength and conditioning coach would be like, 
come on, give this more. You've got a ton of talent. Come on, come give this more. And so what would happen is I would always be like, okay, I'm going to get really fit this time. And then I'd show up for a couple of months. I'd go so hard. And then I'd close a massive deal, go on a huge bender and erase all of my, all of my progress. And so I, I was falling into this loop of like going hard into fitness, going hard into partying and trying to balance my life between these two opposing worlds. And it was getting really, really challenging. But what ended up happening is that my fitness never got where I wanted it to go. My career was doing really well, but it always was my priority. So I'd have these little tugs from fitness, these tugs from vitality, these tugs from improving my performance, but I'd always just forget them and go into the business the moment that I got distracted by that next shiny object. That was until one day, one of my friends at the company invited me into his office. Now, this man had been with the company for about 20 years. He ran the exotic car finance division. He was the guy who was, you know, throwing the keys to the Ferrari on my desk, the keys for the Lambo, the keys for the McLaren, all those things. He was the guy who was always supporting me and having a ton of fun doing what I was doing. And he called me into his office and he sat me down and he said, Cam, you seem a little off. What's going on? And I said that I was feeling really torn in life. At this point, I was traveling every couple of weeks. I was signing most of my deals in strip clubs up north. I was doing all of these things that just were, were making me a shit ton of money, but they weren't really contributing to my joy. Fitness, health, vitality was what was contributing to my joy. So I felt really torn. And I was telling him that I felt very torn between you know, the passions in my life and, and my career. And I'll never forget this. But he looked at me, almost welling up with tears, where he said, Cam, never compromise on your passions. And that stuck with me. And I said, okay, well, why? And he said, Cam, and he held up his hands like this. I have golden handcuffs. He said, my family is used to living the way that we live. My friends, my community, everything revolves around my career. And now that I've built a life that is fueled by and fully dependent on the life of finance, I'm stuck. And this was very profound for me. Because I was this young buck, I was an up and comer, I was going to be doing really well. And here I was sitting across the table from the guy who I was aspiring to be. And he was telling me to never compromise on my passions. So did I listen? No. <laughs> it stuck with me. But I did not heed the call. And so I went deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the finance game. I always had his voice in the back of my mind, but I ignored it. And I went deeper and deeper and deeper, more money, more deals, bigger deals, bigger money, more cars, faster life, more drugs, more parties, all of the stuff. Now the really fucked up thing here for me was that I was a former drug dealer, right? And so 
everybody in my life now that I was in finance and doing, you know, a socially acceptable thing was so proud of me. They were so impressed. They were like, oh my gosh, you're making so much money. You're doing all these things. You've really turned your life around. But I was just a drug dealer who was selling money instead of blow now. And I was still acting like it. And so I pursued all of the things that I wanted when I was a drug dealer because now I could do it legally. So I was going to strip clubs. I was partying. I was doing a ton of blow. I was just losing myself to women, to money, to that whole experience because I was still the same person. I was still acting from that same energy of being a drug dealer. So over my career there, there were these things called President's Club. And President's Club was an all-expenses-paid trip for the top producers of the company. Over the course of my journey there, I made four President's Clubs. I didn't go on the last one, and we'll get to that. But I loved them. I was so infatuated by them because we got all this money, we got all these experiences, it was so lavish, so luxe, and we got to do whatever the fuck we wanted to do. So on my third President's Club trip, I was single, I was making a ton of money, I was cocky as shit, and I was on an absolute tear. This is not good for a young man with a ton of dough and basically unlimited resources on a trip like this. I went so hard. I partied. I fucked. I did everything I possibly could to just sabotage myself in every way. Now, this is really important to go into. When you aren't operating from a place of fulfillment or joy and you're operating from a place of rock star happiness, the only thing you can do to feel more is to up the ante. So if you're driving a Camry, next thing is you want to drive a BMW. If you're driving a BMW, next thing is you want to drive a Porsche. If you're driving a Porsche, Next thing is you want a Rolls. If you're driving a Rolls, next thing you want is a helicopter. If you get a helicopter, next thing you want is a private jet. Like there, It just has to continuously go up and up and up and up to satiate you. Because as humans, we become very adapted to our environments. This is sensory adaptation. So at this point, I was partying so hard, had so much money, was doing so many things. So I needed to up the ante. And that looked fucking terrifying. I think back on this trip and so many of my friends that I told the stories to after were like, oh my God, that's every guy's dream. But I look back on this trip and I shudder. Makes me sick to my stomach because I was a crack fiend. I was an addict. I was just, I needed more adrenaline, more attention, more money, more things that just would bring me that rock star happiness to fill this void of true fulfillment that I had inside of me. Now, I wasn't actually a crackhead. I wasn't smoking crack. Let's not go that far. But I was addicted to the rush of more. When I got back from that trip, I was a wreck. This was just a week. I was an absolute wreck. And I knew 
once I sobered up and all the Xanax and blow and all these things were out of my system, like I sobered up and I realized that if I kept going down this trajectory, I was going to die. And I knew it. I knew if I kept drinking, partying, and being reckless the way that I was, I was going to die. And that's a very sobering thought. Really, truly. When you can see your own demise coming from your actions, it's very, very challenging because it's kind of admitting to yourself that you're slowly killing yourself. And for me, this was really profound. This was very, very challenging. So I ended up spending six months on the floor of my apartment crying. Now I'd get up, put on my suit, do my hair, look all pretty, smile, close deals, come home, collapse. And I did that on repeat. This was a byproduct of me actually not knowing who I was. Because what I started really seeing in that journey was that outside of booze, drugs, women, cars, trips, and tapping my adrenaline vein, I had no idea who I was. Those were all things that I was doing to distract myself from the fact that I didn't actually know who I was. Now that is very challenging, especially when you think you're the shit. And so eventually, in that dark night of the soul, whatever you want to call it, I found my ability to go inward. I found my ability to start looking at my internal world. And that's a very scary thing for a lot of men. Looking at your internal world can be absolutely terrifying, especially when you don't actually find anything of value. And for me, that was a huge wake-up call. There was a time right before this trip, one of the things that led to me being single, actually, where I went to my girlfriend's birthday party. And I had been lying to her about the drugs I had been doing. I wasn't telling her anything. She had asked me if I still did coke and all these things, and I said no. And so what did I do? I got absolutely wasted at her birthday, went into the bathroom, put a bunch of blow on my hands, snorted it, and walked out without wiping my face. She lost it. And I remember she looked at me at that moment and she said, it's this or me. And I actually chose the drugs. I said, drugs are a part of who I am. If you can't accept who I am, then I'm out. I will never forget saying that. But that's how identified I was with this awful thing. And so when I took the time to go inward, to actually look at who I was beyond <laughs> this guy who liked blow, there was nothing. There was nothing there. So I needed help big time, big, big, big time. So I joined Alcoholics Anonymous, I joined Narcotics Anonymous, I got a sponsor, and I started following the program. In that, I started going through all of the shit 
that was blocking me from actually seeing who I am. See, when we look inward and we don't see anything, that isn't because it's not there. It just means that we're blind to it because of the lives that we have created and the circumstances that we have created around us. So in AA, you have to go deep into all the pain you've caused yourself as well as others. And as I went into that pain and I got sponsorship and I had someone who was helping me understand all the stuff going on behind the scenes, I started to really uncover all of these limiting aspects of myself that were blocking me from the truth, that were blocking me from these inherent things that we all know as humans. So I turned over every single stone, every single one, every single thing I'd ever done that was wrong. And this thing, I had an Excel spreadsheet on this shit. Like I had to do an Excel spreadsheet on the amount of violent, mischievous, ridiculous, harmful things I did in my life. It's hilarious to think, but it's actually true. I had to do that. I had to track them all. What did I do? How did I affect the others? Why did I do it? What was their fault? What was my fault? Just understanding and unpacking all of these aspects of myself that I identified with. And through that, I started healing them. I started understanding them. Now, what became very evident in this whole process was that I had to leave the finance game. Because in that whole experience, I realized that I was pursuing finance and more money and more things based on the same insecure patterns that pushed me into gangs, drugs, and violence in the first place. So once I realized that the same pattern, the same program that created all that pain for me in the past was creating all the pain for me in the present, I had to interrupt that pattern and I had to completely annihilate all of these coping mechanisms, all of these avenues for that to flow into my life. So I left finance. I went all into coaching CrossFit at that point, coaching some clients, doing some lifestyle health coaching stuff, and really starting to focus on my passions, on these other avenues in my life that I had been neglecting for the money, for the cars, for the things. And this led me to something very important. This is the nugget that I want all of you to take away from here. And that is that this led me to figuring out my value system. I was a hooligan, wannabe gangster because I didn't know my values. I quit sports because I didn't know my values. I dropped out of school because I didn't know my values. I pursued finance because I didn't know my values. I let go of my dream to have a restaurant because I didn't know my values. We make awful decisions when we don't know our values. And I'm not talking about your basic values. Like everyone's like, okay, I value family. I value money. I value trips. I value relationships, whatever that is. Like those are the basic fundamental values that I did value, but I had to go deeper. I really had to go deeper to understand what made me unique because everyone recites those same values. But what was it deep down inside of me that I wanted? And so I came up with nine values. I came up with family, love, connection, however you want to see it, community, my mission, freedom, which encompasses money and abundance, adventure, 
education, service, and vitality. When I sat down and wrote out those nine values and I defined what each of them meant to me, I was given the best tool for making any decision I ever wanted to in my life. Because all I would have to do is take this idea, this thing that I wanted to do. Sometimes it was reactionary. So let's say it's a new business opportunity. And I would go through my nine value systems and I would go, does it positively or negatively affect this value? Check mark for positive, negatively for X. And so I would do that for all nine. And every single time, it would be weighted heavier on positive or negative. And if it was a positive result for my value system, it was a yes. If it was a negative result for my value system, it was a no. And because I had nine values, it was an odd number, I would never get a tie as long as I was being very real with myself about yes or no, no maybes. Knowing your value system, articulating it, and then taking action from those values and only those values is what helps you make the right decision every single time. I have used this system to end relationships, break off engagements, leave business opportunities, leave careers, start new business opportunities, go remote, take trips. It doesn't matter. You can run any question you have in your life through your value system to get the perfect answer. So if we go back and we look at my finance career, I was making all of my decisions based on reaction. I was making every single decision based on being tugged or pulled in a different direction. Not once did I think about a value system. Not once did I actually consider what my foundational pillars were. I was just letting the thought of more money, more success, more praise, more stardom guide all of my actions. And where did that get me? Nowhere. It got me repeating the same shit that I thought I left when I left the game. So it is so important for everybody out there to know your value system, to be able to articulate them and to actually start making decisions from them to avoid making the same mistakes over and over again. So my invitation for you is to sit down, write out your values, choose nine, articulate them, define them, really get intimate with them, and then only make decisions that are in alignment with what matters most to you. You do that, you will be able to make any decision you ever want to make. Now we go deep into this stuff in the Embodied Elite Men's Program. We go super deep, much deeper than I'm articulating here. But they set the foundation of their values in place before they do anything. Because you cannot chase targets. You cannot go after things that push you if you don't have a secure structure in place. Your value system is that secure structure. So if you're interested in checking out the Embodied Elite Men's Program, there's a link below for you to book an interview with me. 
get that going. I'd love to connect with you. You can also take some time to check out the five body assessment to see how you are performing based on your five bodies. And then give me a follow on Instagram and hit me up with a review on this podcast if it's really lighting something up inside of you. I appreciate you coming by, having this conversation. Remember those values. Remember to make decisions from them. And you will never, ever be on the wrong path. Big love crew. I'll see you in the next episode.